are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. Sapphire Planet. Sir Winston Leonard Spencer Churchill, born November 30th, 1874, died January 24th, 1965 was a British politician who was the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom from 1940 to 1945, and again from 1951 to 1955. Widely regarded as one of the greatest wartime leaders of the 20th century, Churchill was also an officer in the British Army, a historian, a writer, and an artist. He is the only British Prime Minister to have won the Nobel Prize in Literature and was the first person to be made an honorary citizen of the United States. Churchill was born into the aristocratic family of the Dukes of Marlborough, a branch of the Spencer family. His father, Lord Randolph Churchill, was a charismatic politician who served as Chancellor of the Exchequer. His mother, Jenny Jerome, was an American socialite. As a young army officer, he saw action in British India, the Sudan, and the Second Boer War. He gained fame as a war correspondent and wrote books about his campaigns. At the forefront of politics for 50 years, he held many political and cabinet positions. Before the First World War, he served as President of the Board of Trade, Home Secretary, and First Lord of the Admiralty as part of the Asquith Liberal Government. During the war, he continued as First Lord of the Admiralty 
until the disastrous Gallipoli campaign caused his departure from government. He then briefly resumed activity through army service on the Western Front as commander of the 6th Battalion of the Royal Scots Fusiliers. He returned to government as Minister of Munitions, Secretary of State for War, and Secretary of State for Air. After the war, Churchill served as Chancellor of the Exchequer in the Conservative government of Baldwin from 1924 through 1929. Controversially, returning the pound sterling in 1925 to the gold standard at its pre-war parity, a move widely seen as creating deflationary pressure on the UK economy. Also controversial were his oppositions to increased home rule for India and his resistance to the 1936 abdication of Edward VIII. Out of office and politically in the wilderness during the 1930s, Churchill took the lead in warning about Nazi Germany and campaigning for rearmament. On the outbreak of the Second World War, he was again appointed First Lord of the Admiralty. Following the resignation of Neville Chamberlain on May 10, 1940, Churchill became Prime Minister. His steadfast refusal to consider defeat, surrender, or a compromise peace helped inspire British resistance, especially during the difficult early days of the war when Britain stood alone in its active opposition to Adolf Hitler. Churchill was particularly noted for his speeches and radio broadcasts, which helped inspire the British people. He led Britain as Prime Minister until a victory over Nazi Germany had been secured. After the Conservation Party lost the 1945 election, he became leader of the opposition to the Labour government. After winning the 1951 election, he again became Prime Minister before retiring in 1955. Upon his death, Elizabeth II granted him the honor of a state funeral, which saw one of the largest assemblies of world statesmen in history. Named the greatest Briton of all time in a 2002 poll, Churchill is widely regarded as being among the most influential people in British history, consistently ranking well in opinion polls of prime ministers of the United Kingdom. Winston Churchill was born into the aristocratic family of the Dukes of Marlborough, a branch of the noble Spencer family. Winston Leonard Spencer Churchill, like his father, used the surname Churchill in public life. His ancestor, George Spencer, had changed his surname to Spencer Churchill in 1817, when he became Duke of Marlborough, to highlight his descent from John Churchill, First Duke of Marlborough, Churchill's father, Lord Randolph Churchill, 
the third son of John Spencer Churchill, the seventh Duke of Marlborough, was a politician, and his mother, Lady Randolph Churchill, known also as her maiden name, Jenny Jerome, was the daughter of American millionaire Leonard Jerome. Churchill was born on November 30, 1874, two months prematurely, in a bedroom in Blaheim Palace, Woodstock, Oxfordshire. From the age two to six, he lived in Dublin, where his grandfather had been appointed viceroy and employed Churchill's father as his private secretary. Churchill's brother, John Strange Spencer Churchill, was born during this time in Ireland. It has been claimed that the young Churchill first developed his fascination with military matters from watching the many parades pass by the Viceregal Lodge, now the official residence of the President of Ireland. Churchill's earliest exposure to education occurred in Dublin, where a governess tried teaching him reading, writing, and arithmetic. His first reading book was called Reading Without Tears. With limited contact with his parents, Churchill became very close to his nanny, Mrs. Elizabeth Ann Everest, whom he called Old Womb. He served as his confidence, nurse, and mother substitute. The two spent many happy hours playing in Phoenix Park. Independent and rebellious by nature, Churchill generally had a poor academic record in school for which he was punished. He was educated at three independent schools, St. George's School, Ascot Berkshire, Brunswick School in Hove near Brighton. The school has since been renamed Stoke Brunswick School and Harrow School from April 17, 1888. Within weeks of his arrival at Harrow, Churchill had joined the Harrow Rifle Corps. Churchill was rarely visited by his mother and wrote letters begging her either to come to the school or to allow him to come home. His relationship with his father was distant. He once remarked that they barely spoke to one another. His father died on January 24, 1895, aged 45 years, leaving Churchill with the conviction that he too would die young and so should be quick about making his mark on the world. Churchill had a lisp that continued throughout his career, reported constantly by journalists at that time and later. Authors writing in the 1920s and 1930s, before sound recordings became common, also mentioned Churchill having a stutter, describing it in the terms as such as severe or agonizing. Churchill described himself as having a speech impediment which he worked to overcome. The Churchill Center and Museum says the majority of records show his impediment was a lisp, while Churchill's stutter is a myth. His dentures were specifically designed to aid his speech. Desmothus 
pebbles is what they were known as. After many years of public speeches, carefully prepared not only to inspire, but also to avoid hesitations, he could finally state, my impediment is no longer a hindrance. Churchill met his future wife, Clementine Hosier, in 1904 at a ball in Crewe House, home of the Earl of Crewe and Crewe's wife, Margaret Primrose, daughter of Archibald Primrose, 5th Earl of Rosenberry, and Hannah Rothschilds. In 1908, Clementine and Churchill met again at a dinner party hosted by Susan June Baroness St. Heller. Churchill found himself seated beside Clementine, and they soon began a lifelong romance. He proposed to Clementine during a house party at Blenheim Palace on August 10, 1908, in a small temple of Diana. On September 12, 1908, he and Clementine were married in St. Margaret's, Westminster. The church was packed. The Bishop of St. Asaph conducted the service. The couple spent their honeymoon in Highgrove House in Eastcote. In March 1909, the couple moved to a house at 33 Extelston Square. Their first child, Diana, was born in London on July 11, 1909. After the pregnancy, Clementine moved to Sussex to recover, while Diana stayed in London with her nanny. On May 28, 1911, their second child, Randolph, was born at 33 Eskelson Square. Their third child, Sarah, was born on October 7, 1914, at Admiralty House, The birth was marked with anxiety for Clementine, as Churchill had been sent to Antwerp by the cabinet to stiffen the resistance of the beleaguered city. After the news that the Belgians intended to surrender their town, Clementine gave birth to her fourth child, Marigold Francis Churchill, on November 15, 1918 four days after the official end of the First World War. In the early days of August 1921, the Churchill's children were entrusted to a French nursery governess in Kent named Mrs. Rose. Clementine, meanwhile, traveled to Eaton Hall to play tennis with Hugh Grosner, second Duke of Westminster, and his family. While still under the care of Mrs. Rose, Marigold had a cold, but was reported to have recovered from the illness. As the illness progressed with hardly any notice, it turned into septicema. Following advice from a landlady, Rose sent for Clementine. However, the illness turned fatal on August 23, 1921, and Marigold was buried in the Kensal Green Cemetery three days later. On September 15, 1922, the Churchill's last child, Mary, was born. 
Later that month, the Churchills bought Chartwell, which would be their home until Winston's death in 1965. Winston Churchill served in the military. And after Churchill left Harrow, his boarding school in 1893, he applied to attend the Royal Military College, Sandhurst. He tried three times before passing the entrance exam. He applied for cavalry rather than infantry because the grade requirement was lower and did not require him to learn mathematics, which he disliked. He graduated 8th out of a class of 150 in December 1894, and although he could now have transferred to an infantry regiment as his father had wished, chose to remain with the cavalry and was commissioned a coronet second lieutenant in the 4th Queen's Own Hussars on February 20th, 1895. In 1941, he received the honor of being appointed Regimental Colonel of the 4th Hussars, an honor which was increased after the Second World War when he was appointed as Colonel-in-Chief, a privilege usually reserved for royalty. Churchill's pay as Second Lieutenant in the 4th Hussars was 300 pounds sterling annually. However, he believed that he needed at least a further 500 pounds sterling, equivalent to $55,000 sterling in today's terms, to support a style of life equal to that of other officers in the regiment. His mother provided an allowance of 400 pounds sterling per year, but this was repeatedly overspent. According to biographer Roy Jenkins, this is one reason why he took an interest in war correspondence. He did not intend to follow a conventional career, a promotion through the army ranks, but rather to seek out all possible chances of military action, using his mother and family influence in high society to arrange postings in active campaigns. His writings brought him the attention of the public and earned him significant additional income. He acted as a war correspondent for several London newspapers and wrote his own books about the campaigns. In 1895, Churchill and fellow officer Reginald Barnes traveled to Cuba to observe the Spanish fight the Cuban guerrillas. He had obtained a commission to write about the conflict from the Daily Graphic. He came under fire on his 21st birthday, the first of about 50 times during his life, and the Spanish awarded him his first medal. Churchill had fond memories of Cuba as a large, rich, beautiful island. While there, he soon acquired a taste for Havana cigars, which he would smoke for the rest of his life. While in New York, he stayed at the home of Byrne Cochran, an admirer of his mother. Byrne was an established American politician 
and member of the House of Representatives. He greatly influenced Churchill, both in his approach to oratory and politics, and encouraging of a love of America. He soon received word that his nanny, Mrs. Everest, was dying, and returned to England and stayed with her for a week until she died. He wrote in his journal, She was my favorite friend. In my early life, he wrote, She had been my dearest and most intimate friend during the whole of the 20 years I had lived. In early October 1896, he was transferred to Bombay, British India. He was considered one of the best polo players in his regiment and led his team to many prestigious tournament victories. In 1897, Churchill attempted to travel to both report and, if necessary, fight in the Greco-Turkish War. But this conflict effectively ended before he could arrive. Later, while preparing for a leave in England, he had heard that three brigades of the British Army were going to fight against the Pashtun tribe in the northwest frontier of India, and he asked his superior officer if he could join the fight. He fought under the command of General Jeffrey, the commander of the 2nd Brigade, operating in Malakand, in the frontier region of British India. Jeffrey sent him with 15 scouts to explore the Mahmud Valley. While on reconnaissance, they encountered an enemy tribe, dismounted from their horses, and opened fire. After an hour of shooting, their reinforcements the 35th Sikhs arrived. The firing gradually ceased and the brigade and the Sikhs marched on. Hundreds of tribesmen then ambushed them and opened fire, forcing them to retreat. As they were retreating, four men were carrying an injured officer, but the fierceness of the fight forced them to leave him behind. The man who was left behind was slashed to death before Churchill's eyes. Afterwards, he wrote of the killer, I forget everything else at this moment except a desire to kill this man. However, the Sikhs' numbers were being depleted, so the next commanding officer told Churchill to get the rest of the men to safety. Before he left, he asked for a note so that he would not be charged with desertion. He received the note, quickly signed, headed up the hill, and alerted the other brigade, whereupon they engaged the army. The fighting in the region dragged on for another two weeks before the dead could be recovered. He wrote in his journal, Whether it was worth it, I cannot tell. An account of the siege of Malakan was published in the December 1900 as the story of the Malakan Field Force. He received 600 pounds sterling for his account. 
During the campaign, he also wrote articles for the newspaper The Pioneer and for the newspaper The Daily Telegraph. His account of the battle was one of his first published stories, for which he received five pounds sterling per column from the Daily Telegraph. Churchill was then transferred to Egypt in 1898. He visited Luxor before joining an attachment of the 21st Lancers, serving in the Sudan under the command of General Herbert Kitchener. During this time, he encountered two military officers with whom he would work with during the First World War. Douglas Haig, then a captain, and David Beatty, then a gunboat lieutenant. While in the Sudan, he participated in what has been described as the last meaningful British cavalry charge at the Battle of Omdurman in September 1898. He also worked as a war correspondent for the Morning Post. By October 1898, he had returned to Britain and begun his two-volume work the River War, an account of the conquests and the reconquest of the Sudan, which was published the following year. Churchill resigned from the British Army, effective May 5, 1899. He soon had his first opportunity to begin a parliamentary career when he was invited by Robert Ascroft to be the second Conservative Party candidate in Ascroft's Oldham constituency. Ascroft's sudden death caused a double-by election, and Churchill was one of the candidates. In the midst of a national trend against conservatives, both seats were lost. However, Churchill, impressed by his vigorous campaigning, was well thought of. Having failed at Oldham, Churchill looked about for some other opportunity to advance his career. On October 12, 1899, the Second Boer War between Britain and the Boer Republics broke out, and he obtained a commission to act as a war correspondent for the Morning Post, with a salary of £250 sterling per month. He rushed to sail on the same ship as the newly appointed British commander, Sir Revedere's Buller. After some weeks in the exposed areas, he accompanied a scouting expedition in an armored train, leading to his capture and imprisonment in a prisoner of war camp in Pretoria. It was a converted school building for Pretoria high school girls. His actions during the ambush of the train led to speculation that he would be awarded the Victorian Cross, Britain's highest award to members of the armed forces for gallantry in the face of the enemy. But this was not possible, as he was a civilian. Incredibly, he escaped from the prison camp and traveled almost 300 miles, or 480 kilometers, 
to Portuguese Lorenco's Marquez in Delago Bay with the assistance of an English mine manager. His escape made him a minor national hero for the time in Britain, though instead of returning home, he rejoined General Bueller's army on its march to relieve the British at the siege of Ladysmith and take Pretoria. This time, although continuing as a war correspondent, he gained a commission in the South African Light Horse. He was among the first British troops into Ladysmith and Pretoria. He and his cousin, the Duke of Marlborough, were able to get ahead of the rest of the troops in Pretoria, where they demanded and received the surrender of 52 Boer prison camp guards. In 1900, Churchill returned to England on the RMS Dunodder Castle, the same ship on which he had set sail for South Africa eight months earlier. He then published London to Ladysmith and a second volume of the Boer War Experience, Ian Hamilton's March. Churchill stood again for Parliament in Oldham in the general election of 1900 and won. His conservative colleague, Crisk, was defeated in the contest for the two seats. After the 1900 general election, he embarked on a speaking tour of Britain, followed by tours of the United States and Canada, earning in excess of 5,000 pounds sterling. In 1900, he retired from the regular army and in 1902 joined the Imperial Yeomanry, where he was commissioned as a captain in the Queen's own Oxford Hussars on January 4, 1902. In October 1911, Churchill was appointed First Lord of the Admiralty. While serving in this position, he put strong emphasis on modernization and was also in favor of using aeroplanes in combat. He launched a program to replace coal power with oil power. When he assumed his position, oil was already being used on submarines and destroyers, but most ships were still coal-powered. Though oil was sprayed on the coals, Churchill began this program by ordering that the upcoming Queen Elizabeth-class battleships were to be built with oil-fired engines. Churchill also established a royal commission chaired by Admiral Sir John Fisher, which confirmed the benefits of oil over coal in three classified reports, and judged that ample supplies of oil existed, but recommended that oil reserves be maintained in the event of war. The delegation then traveled to the Persian Gulf, and the government, largely through Churchill's advice, eventually invested in the Anglo-Persian Oil Company, bought most of its stock, and negotiated a secret contract with a 20-year supply. Churchill continued to serve as First Lord of the Admiralty into the First World War, when a coalition government was formed in May 1915. Churchill was removed from the Admiralty 
because he had proposed the disastrous Battle of Gallipoli. He remained in the cabinet for six months as the Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster until the decision was made to evacuate the Gallipoli Bridgehead. After his resignation, Churchill rejoined the British Army, attempting to obtain appointment as Brigadier Commander, but settling for commander of a battalion. After spending some time as a major with the 2nd Battalion, Grenadier Guards, he was appointed Lieutenant Colonel, commanding the 6th Battalion, Royal Scots Fusiliers. These were part of the 9th Scottish Division on January 1, 1916. Correspondence with his wife shows that his intent in taking up active service was to rehabilitate his reputation, but this was balanced by the serious risk of being killed. As a commander, he continued to exhibit the reckless, reckless daring for which he had, had been a hallmark of all his military actions, although he disapproved strongly of the mass slaughter involved in many Western Front actions. Lord Deeds opinioned to a gathering of Royal Historic Society in 2001 why Churchill went to the front line. Quote, He was with Grenadier Guards, who were dry at battalion headquarters. They very much liked tea and condensed milk, which had no great appeal to Winston, but alcohol was permitted on the front line in the trenches. So he suggested to the colonel that he really ought to see more of the war and get into that front line. This was highly recommended and commended by the colonel, who thought it was a very good thing to do. End of quote. Near the end of his life, a new prime minister asked the former prime minister if he would like some tea. Churchill replied, No, don't be a bloody fool. I want a large glass of whiskey. <laughs> Churchill stood again for the seat of Old Emma in the 1900 general elections. After winning the seat, he went on speaking tour through Britain and the United States raising 10,000 pounds sterling for himself, which is about 920,000 pounds sterling today. In Parliament, he became associated with a fraction of the Conservative Party led by Lord Hugh Cecil. The Hugh Lilligans were what they were known as. During his first parliamentary session, he opposed the government's military expenditure and Joseph Chamberlain's proposal of extensive tariffs, which were intended to protect Britain's economic dominance. His own constituency effectively deselected him, although he continued to sit for Oldham until the next general election. After the Weinstein recess of 1904, he crossed the floor to sit as a member of the Liberal Party, as a liberal, he continued to campaign for free trade. When the liberals took office with Henry Campbell Bannerman, 
as Prime Minister in December 1905, Churchill became Undersecretary of State for the colonies, dealing mainly with South Africa after the Boer War. From 1903 until 1905, Churchill was also engaged in writing Lord Randolph's Churchill, a two-volume biography of his father, which was published in 1906 and received much critical acclaim. Following his deselection in the seat of Oldham, Churchill was invited to stand for Manchester Northwest. He won the seat in 1906 general election with a majority of the 1,214 votes and represented the seat for two years. When Campbell Brannerman was succeeded by Herbert Henry Asquith in 1908, Churchill was promoted to the cabinet as president of the Board of Trade. Under the law at the time, a newly appointed cabinet minister was obliged to seek re-election at a by-election. Churchill lost his seat, but was soon back as a member of the Dundee constituency. As president of the Board of Trade, he joined newly appointed Chancellor Lloyd George in opposing First Lord of the Admiralty Reginald McKenna's proposed huge expenditure for the construction of Navy deadnought warships and for supporting the liberal reforms. In 1908, he introduced the Trade Board Bill, setting up the first minimum wages in Britain. In 1909, he set up labor exchanges to help unemployed people find work. He helped draft the first unemployment pension legislation, the National Insurance Act of 1911. As a supporter of eugenics, he participated in the drafting of the Mental Deficiency Act of 1913. However, the act, in the formal, eventually passed, rejected his preferred method of sterilization of feeble-minded in favor of their confinement in institutions. Churchill also assisted in passing the People's Budget, becoming president of the Budget League an organization set up in response to the opposition's Budget Protest League. The budget included the introduction of new taxes on the wealthy to allow for the creation of new social welfare programs. After the budget bill was passed by the Commons in 1909, it was vetoed by the House of Lords. The Liberals then fought and won two general elections in January and December 1910 to gain a mandate for their reforms. The budget was passed after the first election and after the second election of Parliament Act 1911, for which Churchill also campaigned, was passed. In 1910, Churchill was promoted to Home Secretary. His term was controversial after his responses to the siege of Sydney Street and the dispute at the Cambrian Collier and the suffragettes. In 1910, a number of coal miners in the Rodana Valley began what has come to be known as the 
Tony Patty Riot. The chief constable of Glagmorgan requested troops be sent to help police quell the rioting. Churchill, learning that the troops were already traveling, allowed them to go as far as Swinston and Cardiff, but blocked their deployment. On November 9th, the Times criticized this decision. In spite of this, the rumor persisted that Churchill had ordered troops to attack, and his reputation in Wales and in the labor circles never recovered. In early January 1911, Churchill made a controversial visit to the siege of Sydney Street in London. There is some uncertainty as whether he attempted to give operational commands, and his presence attracted much criticism. After an inquest, Arthur Balfour remarked, he, meaning Churchill, and a photographer were both risking valuable lives. I understand what a photographer was doing, but what was the right honorable gentleman doing? A biographer, Roy Jenkins, suggests that he went simply because he could not resist going to see the fun himself, end of quote, and that he did not issue commands. Another account said the police had the miscreants, Latvian anarchists wanted for murder, surrounded in a house. But Churchill called the Scots guards from the Tower of London and, dressed in top hat and Askerhin collar, greatcoat, directed operations. The house caught fire and Churchill prevented the fire brigade from dousing the flames so that the men inside were burned to death. I thought it better to let the house burn down rather than spend good British lives in rescuing those ferocious rascals. Churchill's proposed solutions to the suffragette issue was a referendum on the issue, but this found no favor with Herbert Henry Asquith, and the woman's suffrage remained unresolved until after the First World War. In 1911, Churchill was transferred to the office of the First Lord of the Admiralty, a post he held into the First World War. He gave impetus to several reform efforts, including development of naval aviations. He undertook flying lessons himself, the construction of new and larger warships, the development of tanks, and the switch from coal to oil in the Royal Navy. The First World War and the post-war coalition were difficult. On October 5, 1914, Churchill went to Antwerp, which the Belgian government proposed to evacuate. The Royal Marine Brigade was there, and Churchill's urgings, the 1st and 2nd Naval Brigades, were also committed. Antwerp fell on October 10th with the loss of 2,500 men. At this time, he was attacked for squandering resources. It was more likely that his actions prolonged resistance by a week. Belgium had proposed surrendering Antwerp on October 3rd, and that this time saved Calaris and Dunkirk. 
Churchill was involved in the development of the tank, which was financed from naval research funds. He then headed the Landship Committee, which was responsible for creating the first tank corps, although a decade later development of the battle tank would be seen as a tactical victory. At the time, it was seen as a misappropriation of funds. In 1915, he was one of the political and military engineers of the disastrous Gallipoli landings on the Dardanelles during the First World War. He took much of the blame for the fiasco, and when Prime Minister Asquith formed an all-party coalition government, the Conservatives demanded his demotion as the price for entry. For several months, Churchill served as the sinecure of Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster. However, on November 15, 1915, he resigned from the government, feeling his energies were not being used. Although remaining, renaming a member of Parliament on January 5, 1916, he was given the temporary British Army rank of Lieutenant Colonel and served for several months on the Western Front, commanding the 6th Battalion of the Royal Scots Fusiliers. While in command, he personally made 36 forays into no man's land, and his section of the front and Plosger Street became one of the most active. On March 1916, Churchill returned to England after he had become restless in France and wished to speak again in the House of Commons. Future Prime Minister David Lloyd George acidly commented, quote, You will one day discover that the state of mind revealed in your letter is the reason why you do not win trust even where you command admiration. In every line of it, national interests are completely overshadowed by your personal concern. End of quote. In July 1917, Churchill was appointed Minister of Munitions and in January 1919, Secretary of State for War and Secretary of State for Air. He was the main architect of the 10-year rule, a principle that allowed the Treasury to dominate and control strategic, foreign, and financial policies under the assumption that there would be no great European war for the next five or ten years. A major preoccupation of his tenure in the War Office was the Allied intervention in the Russian Civil War. Churchill was a staunch advocate of foreign intervention, declaring that Bolshevism must be strangled in its cradle. He secured from a dividend of loosely organized cabinet intensification prolongation of the British involvement beyond the wishes of any major group in Parliament or the nation, and in the face of bitter hostility of labor. In 1920, after the last British forces had been withdrawn, Churchill was instrumental in having arms sent to the Poles when they were invaded, when they invaded Ukraine. He was also instrumental in having paramilitary forces 
black and tans and auxiliaries, intervene in the Anglo-Irish War. He became Secretary of State for the Colonies in 1921 and was a signatory of the Anglo-Irish Treaty of 1921, which established the Irish Free State. Churchill was involved in the lengthy negotiations of the treaty and, to protect British maritime interest, he engineered part of the Irish Free State Agreement to include, include three treaty ports, Queenstown, Barrahaven, and Low Swilly, which could be used as Atlantic bases by the Royal Navy. In 1938, however, under the terms of the chamberlain Divaria anglo agrish Trade Agreement, the bases were returned to the Irish Free State. In 1919, Churchill sanctioned the use of tear gas on the Kurdish tribesmen in Iraq, though the British did consider the use of non-lethal poison gas in putting down Kurdish rebellions. It was not used, as conventional bombing was considered effective. In 1923, Churchill acted as a paid consultant for Burma Oil, now British Petroleum, to lobby the British government to allow Burma to have exclusive rights to Persian or Iranian oil resources, which were successfully granted. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.